Hello and welcome to the PK Soccer Youth Coaching Podcast with me, Paul Kelshaw. During this time, I will be discussing many topics surrounding the youth game and what people like myself are doing to improve the standards of coaching, player development, spectator understanding and personal growth, especially here in the US. I'll be giving my opinion as well as talking to friends, colleagues, past and present, who have had a positive impact on my own personal coaching development but whom I also believe are having a positive impact in the game today. Today I am joined by Ben Swalwell. Ben is the girls' head coach and world history teacher at St. Lucie Public Schools in St. Lucie, Florida. Ben is a former college assistant coach in Arizona and Wisconsin, as well as coaching club and recreational soccer. In today's episode, we talk about Ben's introduction into coaching and his move to the U.S., We also talk about how Ben combined teaching, coaching and education, as well as starting his own free college ID camp. Ben, thank you for joining me this evening. How are you doing? No, I'm doing good. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you. First, I know your story is a little bit different, but first give us a brief introduction of how you first came to the States. Yeah, uh, so my name's Ben. Um, I've been here since 2016. Um, so I originally originated from England, um, pretty much spent my entire life there, um, moved around a couple of cities, um, and decided that when I was around 24, 25, I needed to go see a little bit of the world. So me and my friend jumped on a train and we took a, um, train trip around Europe. Um, so what we did, we pre-planned, uh, soccer games around Europe and then planned our trip around that. So we spent a month on the train and we watched eight games on the way around. Um, we ended up spending four days in Rome um, and I fell in love with the place. Um, we ended up watching Roma versus Juventus. I uh, spent a couple of extra days there. So when I got back to England, um, decided that I wanted to go and live in Rome. So I quit my job, jumped on a one-way flight to back to Rome, went to the hostel I stayed at, see if they had any jobs available and I ended up getting a, a bartending position. So kind of chilled out there for a while and then happened to meet my, my wife, who's American, um, in that bar. She um, convinced me that I should uh, go back to school, which is something I wanted to do anyway. Um, so she convinced me to come and do that here in the U.S. in Florida. Um, so got here in 2016, um, started school. She was the only one I really knew over here. Um, so we just got really close and it kind of spiraled from there. And now we've been married for four years and have a kid well that is a uh a, un- a unique story because we had we had talked off air that most of the people that i had spoke to on on the podcast had either been a former college player or had worked for a summer camp organization and that's how they first came to the u.s so but at least it is somewhat soccer related because it involved you you know you met your your wife, because you were going to watch or initially going to watch different matches around Europe. So then what was your your first time coaching in the U.S.? Because I know that you've had a, a various different, you've worked with different age groups and different uh, different levels of the game. Yeah, so it took me, took me a while to get settled into the U.S. So it was about a year in when I was like, it was it was hard to find any like, pick up soccer for adults um so 
I had done a little bit of coaching back in England um, at my old high school um, and my like brother's uh, rec team that we had. Um, so I thought I'd try my hand at coaching over here. So there was a club just up the road. Um, it was called Mako. They had um, kind of like a sister club that was out of the way. Um, so I just sent them a message on Facebook um, and I said, hey, I'm new to the area um, from England, been playing for a while, looking to see if you need um, any coaches. Um, and they got back to me and they said, hey, we're looking for a coach for our uh, rec program. It was a really small program. Um, they broke the kids up into teams of six um, and they, we ended up just playing 4v4 um, for a season. Uh, but that's kind of what started me out. Um, and it was kind of different for me to be coaching a really small group, um, but just coaching in America in general, um, it was a, a new sense meeting everyone um, and everyone has these kind of different styles. Um, but it kind of went from there. So like I really enjoyed coaching in this style, but I wanted to make it bigger. Um, so I ended up finding um, another club that's local, um, coaching um, a U12 team. Um, and then we started spiraling there. I went to high school, uh, college coaching, and now I'm back doing high school. You know, it is um, a number of the coaches that I've spoke to would send a, a message or an email or even a phone call, just a cold call, basically. And that's how they would, they got their foot in the door or maybe did some some type of coaching that maybe they weren't necessarily initially looking for, but then it, you know, they built trust and they built confidence and they they then offered them a different position and then that's how they got there. So it is a it is a a good story of really kind of like a bit of the vibe with the podcast, like you'd mentioned before there as well, that you just decided I'm going to quit my job and jump on a train and try and get a job in a different country or then all of a sudden, well, now I'm going to go back to school. So it's, there are so many people that can, can come up with, with a lot of excuses. Um, and especially, obviously, we know each other through connecting via Twitter. But there are a lot of people that think like that they've got the, um, the weight of the world on their shoulders. But like yeah. you said, drop, don't be afraid to, to, to ask or, or take a chance. So that is, you know, a, a great story. So what was your... You had done diff. I know you'd mentioned there that you, you you went then to work in a school coaching. Is that right? Yeah. So I spent a year. Um, so after the four v four the little rec side, um, I took over a U. There's a U twelve rec program for the spring, um, and then in the fall I took over their um, uh, competitive program. Um, so I was on that club for about a year. Um, again, I just sent a message saying, hey, you're looking for coaches. Um, but not understanding like the how American soccer works, I felt like going from competitive to high school was like the next step up. Um, so I was kind of like, I thought I was pushing myself a little quickly to try and move up the ladder to see what I could get. Um, but there was a, an open position at a local Catholic high school. Um, so I applied for that. One thing I always do, I always try to be really um, organized when I go. So like the first job I had where I was just doing the 4v4, um, a parent had come up to the organizer and complained that 
my team had an unfair advantage because they had a professional coaching them. And they said, what do you mean? And they turned around and pointed at me. And I was just there with a book with notes and a stack of cones. Like it's nothing fancy, but like no other, no other coach, because most of my parents did that. So they felt that I could, because I had an accent as well. I came in as this professional because I'd written down my session beforehand. So I always try and go in prepared with the U12s. I went in with a generic like yearly plan of we want to focus on the tactical side, the um, technical, psychological, social, like this whole four pillars access. Um, and then with the high school, I went in with a six-week um, pre-season plan of how to get the players fit and ready for the season. So I always go in with something a little bit extra just to kind of step up the game and make sure I stand out to people. And that's just, like you said, from... Is that self-taught? For Like you said, from just making your own notes, coming up with your own ideas and reading books? Or is, was that from any kind of formal education or coach education? I, I did my FA Level 1 when I was like 16 straight into college. Um, but at this point, this is 10 years later. So a lot of it was um, kind of previous knowledge from coaches that had, I, like, people that had coached me before. Um, it's going on YouTube and Google and finding stuff. Um, and then like the last couple of years, it's been coming on Twitter and interacting with people, finding stuff there. So a lot of it is, a lot of it at the beginning was self-taught and just like what I think as a player, I would enjoy and like do well doing like i tried to put that forward because it it is interesting i know we've talked off air about you know how even people like myself we've come here as as summer camp coaches and we got given you'd get given a big binder what they'd call a curriculum with all different games and session plans for you to basically you could just follow it like a like an a to z or uh mm-hmm. or, or a map just to you know, to work those sessions. And then we also would have staff training. I'd work for, for one company and they would, we would have weekly training. Work for those where we would have, we would definitely, you would meet, definitely meet weekly with the other coaches and you would, you would interact and you would put on sessions. And, and to some degree it was like having like a mini coaching course every week because there were yeah. assessments. So to for someone to not have that, but then, I'd still say that you would be a little bit different and a little bit unique because I could imagine that there's a lot of people that say, well, well, this is how we did it back in my day or this is how I did it. Whereas at least you were looking for for new ideas and searching, searching online and reading books and reaching out to social media for, for different ideas. I think that's um, a good approach to... I'd even maybe hold my own hand up and say like you've sometimes gone into stuff um, thinking that you're a bit of a know-it-all and it, it is obviously better to go in there with a, you know, with, with an open mind and, and to look for those new ideas. So then with your high, so you, you realised then that you thought that the step was to them to coach high school, but then you went back to club? Um, no, so I went from... I went from high school, like, I, I didn't realize how short the high school season would be. Um, so it ended super quick, and I was really disappointed. Um, but at this point, um, 
my wife was in between jobs. I was just finishing my associate's degree. So we decided that we were just going to go, we were going to head out west and try a couple of different places. Um, my wife's best friend lives in Arizona. So we decided to go live with her for a couple of months. Um, so we moved to Flagstaff in Arizona. Um, the, the university there is NAU, Northern Arizona University. Um, so I just happened to reach out there. I kind of, I researched a little bit and found out that the head coach had just retired. Um, and the assistant coach was currently the uh, interim coach running it by herself. Um, so I just reached out. It was the spring. Um, and I said, hey, look, I don't have any college experience. But like, this is what I do. This is my resume. Like, do you need me to just come out and help you if it's just to deal with numbers? Um, so I met up with her in a coffee shop. Uh, Kylie Lush, she was super cool. Um, she's from South Africa. We kind of um, kind of bonded on not being from the same place. Um, and she was like, yeah, come down. Like, you can come down whenever you want, however many days you want. Um, like, you will build sessions together. You can help me run them. We'll do one-to-one uh, -one things. Um, so I ended up just volunteering. Um, it was a D1 school um, for the women's program. Um, and that was the first place where I really started to learn like from other people firsthand. It's like Kylie, Kylie played for the South African national team in the Olympics in 2012. Um, she uh, was All-American um, in, I think it was in Texas when she was at college here. Um, but yeah, just being this like international superstar that she was, um, but like super down to earth and just willing to sit down with me for hours just to like teach me things um, it was, even though like I volunteered, it was like a really cool experience from there. Um, so from there, I wanted to try and continue to progress and I ended up applying for a job in Wisconsin. Um, and I got the position as the assistant, uh, men's soccer coach at Viterbo university, which is in lacrosse, Wisconsin. Um, so I started working with, uh, Luke Dunn up there. Um, and again, awesome kind of experience of a year round program. Um, but Luke's really, um, Luke, although he's young, he's really knowledgeable. Um, he knows the game really well, reads the game well. And right now they're having a fantastic, well, this last year they've had a fantastic year. Um, he's done really well with building that program. Um, but yeah, going through from the high school to the college team was a big difference. Uh, but it was really, it was really enjoyable, enjoyable. And I learned a lot from that like year and a half experience. Well, the fact then that you're now becoming like a, an all-rounded coach, you've just in a short period of time, you've gone from from like 4v4 recreational games to then, you know, working with the Division One program and then with, and then going to, you know, completely moving states and working with a, with a men's program, really on the, on the backbone really of, of just volunteering and just putting putting it out there, and I will um, and I would say that that there's and I include myself in this that coaches we need we need help and there's you'd be surprised you send an email to someone they there's a chance that that they will invite you down and they they will probably welcome you with open arms they they need help with coaching or with administrative duties or just general organization. So from, from there then you, 
how long did you stay in that program in Wisconsin? Uh, so I was there for a year. So I did, um, I think it was the 2019, 2020 season. Um, so COVID had just hit. So like most of the spring, the kids were back home. They had been sent home from campus. Um, so we were doing online meetings, online training. Um, I was coaching a, a youth team up there as well. I was coaching a U13 boys team. Um, so it was kind of, it was really interesting to do the two at the same time. Um, just to see like the, the difference in going from a college, like this more professional style to working with these young kids who are there, like really just having fun with each other and like really in that learning phase where they soak in so much. Um, so it was really cool to do that mixture. Um, but yes, yeah, so I was at, uh, in Wisconsin for a year and then as COVID hit, me and my wife found out we were pregnant. Um, I say we, she was pregnant. Um, so we wanted to be back in Florida near her family. Um, so we um, took the took the drive back from Wisconsin all the way to Florida. Um, and at that point, I just finished my bachelor's degree um, in history. Um, so I started applying for teacher positions around here. Um, so I uh, got a job at St. Lucie West Centennial, so a local school around here. Um, and then um, straight away, so I do world history there. Um, tried to, I wanted to take a year. Well, my wife asked me to take a year off coaching uh, with the baby coming, just to kind of ease us into life as parents. It's been our first child, um, but I always seem to manage to find some way to drop soccer in there. Um, so I, um, during that time, I set up a free ID camp for kids that lived in our lived in our area that were looking to play college soccer. So I just wanted I wanted to come to that. Surely, just one other question. So with, mm -hmm. so you got your your bachelor's. Was that had you studied at the schools that you'd been working at, or had you, how would you how were you able to get that bachelor's while you were traveling from state to state? Oh, um, so I my bachelor's degree was completely online with UCF. Um, so I worked. Um, I just worked and then did my degree at the same time. Um, so in Arizona, it was um, doing my degree in the morning, coaching in the afternoon, bartending on an evening. Um, in Wisconsin, it was working in the grocery store first thing in the morning, coaching the college in the afternoon, coaching the kids in the evening, trying to find time to finish my degree in between all of that. Um, so that it... Um, I think it's good to good to point out that we um, sometimes you do have to pick up those those side jobs, those grocery store jobs, those those bar jobs, those restaurant jobs, those unsociable hour jobs, just to um, to really to follow your passion with that as well, whether it's teaching or coaching or a combination of both. But then that it's something I didn't want to. Um, you know, we all say oh, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time, but you're able to, or we don't have enough money. You picked up a side job and you did a, a bachelor's online and were able to move to a, a new state and get a full-time job like that. All, all in the midst of a pandemic as well. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, that is quite a remarkable thing. And, and then you're, again, you're just talking about your ID camp. I know earlier this year that 
got really like um, a lot of traction on on Twitter and social media. Yep. So, what was the the reason that you'd wanted to set up this ID camp? Um, so coming from coming from England, um, the idea of pay to play soccer was kind of new to me, um, and it always just kind of shocked me the amount that kids or parents pay for the kids to play soccer here. Um, so not only on top of that, but even colleges themselves have ID camps um, that cost money to attend. And a, a lot of people are priced out of that. And kids that could potentially play college soccer are looked over because they can't afford to play club or go to these events. Um, we live in a large, socially, um, like economically disadvantaged area. Um, so I just wanted people, I wanted kids in this area to have as big a chance as possible to potentially make it to college. Um, so I ran it through the new school that I was teaching at. Um, so they were able to give me the insurance and everything. Um, we ran it at the school. Um, so all the kids needed to do was just to register with me. Um, I set up um, a Twitter page and a website. Um, I reached out to colleges, to anyone that was interested. Um, so we filmed a two-day event. Um, Saturday was for the Saturday was for boys, Sunday was for girls. Um, we recorded both days and then sent them out to the potential colleges, sent them out to the players as well so they could cut and edit their own videos. Um, just to give them that little bit of extra exposure that they might not have had otherwise. And then what was the reception? Did you get any um like local publicity with this like such like a genuine kind gesture that you did like to help these players? Um, so we had, there's a local printing company um, that offered to print us uh, jerseys for the event. Um, I had the local newspaper reach out and wrote an article for us uh, to try and spread the word. Um, there was a, a club from Orlando, uh, Unity FC, that reached out to me. Um, they're, they're pretty big up in the Orlando area um, and they're well known for the fact that they don't charge their kids to play. Um, any kid that registers with the club plays for free. Um, and they also have a uh, women's team in the, um, I think it's the U, UWL, uh, the United Women's League, um, that's, that's kind of set up down here. Um, they kind of promoted it themselves. Um, they brought down drinks and everything for the events. Um, the guy that runs it, Mark Ford, he's a great guy. Um, he actually has contacts in colleges across um, Florida. Um, and he offered to set one of the girls up with a college if she was interested. So they kind of, they went their own way and started to discuss a uh, potential placement for her. So who ran the, who ran the sessions? Did you run the sessions? Uh, I, I kind of ran it all. Um, we, what I did, we had four small sessions going to begin with. Um, and then we played a game at the end. Um, but because of COVID and the way everything was, I didn't have any volunteers to help me. Because um, it was the first time setting something something like this up, I kind of struggled to get the traction with volunteers. So I kind of preset the sessions out. Told, we kind of did a walkthrough at the beginning. This is what you're going to do here, here, and here. Um, and then I let them go, and then I recorded them as we were doing it. So I had one camera set up that kind of viewed the entire field 
and then I walked around with my cell phone recording the games a little bit closer um, to get a little bit more of an insight what was going on. So I was kind of, a, I was a bit of a one-man band for two days. But is it something that you're going to continue? I I would really like to. Um, the the kids that I spoke to really enjoyed it. Um, like I hope that they were able to reach out a little bit further. Um, there was also College Fit Finder. Um, they were off. They were able to help us uh, create some accounts, which was really great. Uh, really great from them. Um, I would love to continue it if it can get if we can get traction to do it for other sports as well. Um, I would love to just have like this like end goal of one giant weekend of all high school sports running these giant college events and combines all at the same time. It brings um, hundreds of coaches into the area. It brings money into the area, try and get as many kids out and into college as possible. And then this, you just had your first season, right? As the girls coach at the school that you work at. Is that correct? Uh, no, I I was given the position at the end of the season. So you haven't actually. So I have I haven't done any sessions with the girls yet. Um, the vast majority of them come in, um, come into my classroom to meet me. Some of them know me because I've coached with them previously at youth teams, um, but they're all just really excited to. So I have some of them in my classroom, um, teaching world history, and they kind of spread the word that. Like one, he's got an accent. Two, he's really fun. So it's kind of they're spreading this word. We already have um, group chats going. We're looking at creating like group videos over the summer, even though we're going to be spread around. So I'm trying to build this like positive energy and culture before we even get onto the field. I was listening to um, a Robbie Fowler podcast with Brendan Rogers earlier today, and he was just talking about how it was all about. Um, you know the communication with the player and and really those relationships and then it seems similar to like what you mentioned there you know you've you may not this is your so-called coaching break yet you're yeah. putting on this you're putting on this event and you're creating these these groups and you're still trying to get to know players and you're you know you're integrating it now into your to your world history teaching which has just been um you know, generally just trying to help these these players, you know, give them opportunities that you feel that they're not that they're they're not getting, which is just a you know, a really nice and you know, generally you know, remarkable thing that, that you're trying to do for these players. Ben, this has been a really great insight into into what you've done and, and like your brief stay in, in America. It's um hopefully we can um we will continue to to talk and communicate via Twitter, and I really appreciate it for your time. No, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed my time talking with Ben and getting to learn a little more about his purpose for coaching, teaching, and giving players a chance to shine. I give Ben a lot of credit for going back to school to earn, earn his degree. In order to improve ourselves and the people around us, we have to make certain choices. That might involve going to school online, volunteering, or working other jobs to pay the bills. Ben has a true desire to help the student-athlete by instilling his desire and passion for the game and education. Running a 
free college ID camp through COVID did pose its challenges, but I am happy to hear the inaugural year was a success and so pleased he was able to get players on the field to express their talent for the college world to see. Thank you for listening to the PK Soccer Podcast. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Paul Kelshaw, Instagram at Paul Kelshaw, like my Facebook page at PK Soccer Inc. or send an email paulkelshaw at pksoccer.org. I would also be grateful if you could give the podcast a review and a rating and share with your fellow coaches and friends. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.